Let's go for Pastor Vince. <laughs> he loved that. Sit down. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Turn to someone next to you and tell them what you want for Christmas, why don't you? Yeah. Do it. Why would you, why would you not do that? Oh, man. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Can you believe that Christmas is uh, 16 days away? Oh, yeah. Somebody just went, uh-oh. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh-oh. Oh, I, I, honestly, I always wait until, like, three days before Christmas to even start Christmas shopping. It's a, it's a bad thing. I, I, I used to say, oh, I'm going to do better this year, and now I'm just like, no, you know what? This is what I do. <laughs> this is how I do. Uh, anyways, it's, uh, it's coming up quickly. You know, Christmas is, uh, is an, interesting, an interesting holiday. It has, like, all this expectation, I feel like. And sometimes Christmas is awesome, and there's always good things about Christmas, uh, you know, Christmas is full of family and friends and, 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 and like Christmas lights and sweaters and, you know, f- you know, like cozy nights by the fire, right? It, it's, it's hot chocolate, it's pumpkin pie, it's, it's Christmas cookies, it's, it's all of these amazing, warm, fun things, right? Christmas, yeah. But sometimes, how many of you know that sometimes Christmas is just not all candy canes and hot chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it's a little bit challenging. I, uh, I for the last 10 years or so, uh, it has been a tradition in my home to, uh, to go and get a real Christmas tree. Uh, and we go and get a real Christmas tree uh, from Rick's Trees. Um, Rick, if you ever hear this, just take note, and uh, maybe I can get a discount next year. Rick's Christmas trees, great place. Uh, <laughs> but we've been we've been going there for the last ten years, uh, and this year we went. Uh, and as we pulled into the parking lot where it usually is located, uh, on uh, right on Union Park like Avenue, it's like thirteenth uh, or. 7th, 9th, the grid breaks down in that area, right? It's like 78th South and I think 9th East or something, Rick's Trees. We pull up in that parking lot. Rick is nowhere to be found. There are no Christmas trees. We're like, what in the world? We look it up on Facebook. He's on 78th South in Redwood Road. We're like, okay. So we've got to go down to Rick's Trees on 78th South in Redwood Road, which unfortunately, the way it, it took a long time. Anyways, long story short, we get there. The kids are grumpy. They're tired. They're, they're being whiny, you know, and I'm like, I don't even like kids. Why, what are you, why are you here? And, and I, <laughs> I love my kids. I do. <sighs> Just keep telling myself that. No, they're sweet. But, uh, and, and so we, we finally, we get the Christmas tree. I wanted to shake it up a little bit. I wanted to get a different type of tree. Uh, but um, we got kind of the standard one. Becca, uh, you know, she... 
where's the pants? And so we, we got a different we got a different Christmas tree than I wanted, but it's beautiful, it's traditional, it's wonderful. And uh, and, and if you do the real Christmas tree thing, then you know um, that it sucks to do that uh, because you have to you have to take the tree off of the top of the car and then you just ram it into the front door and the needles are going everywhere. It's a whole friggin' mess. And since uh, Rick's trees is no longer super close to our house, we were on a time crunch. You've got to, they put a fresh cut, a fresh cut on it, and you got to get it into water within 30 minutes. And I'm looking at the time, and it's like 28 minutes. I'm like, we got to hustle. And so I'm like trying to get this thing set up, and and I, and usually, and so we have a stand, a tree stand that's got the spike, and you stick it in the hole. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, and what you're supposed to do is you like break off some twigs or something, and you ram them up there, and then it makes it so it's more sturdy. And so I did that like normal, but I kind of rushed through it. And uh, and so when I put the tree on the stand and put water in it, and I was like, Whew. and then the tree was, <laughs> and I'm like, oh crap. Uh, I think there's too much wiggle room because the tree is straight, but there's like wiggle room in in the thing. And so it's just leaning. And I was trying to figure out, I tried to shim it. I tried to do all of these different things. And what was supposed to be a fun evening of Christmas lights and family fun turned into a total stressed out, like anxiety. I'm yelling at the kids. I'm yelling at Becca. I'm sweating. Needles are everywhere. The tree's about to fall over. It did fall over at one point, actually. It's those whole mess. And I look at Becca and I'm like, I'm done with the Christmas tree business. I hate Christmas. And she starts crying. You're such a scream. <sighs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Merry freaking Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Sometimes it's just hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's just not all that easy and it's you know the reality is is that you know life can be difficult life can be challenging and we're all faced with moments of 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 like you know hopelessness really and sometimes in the holiday season sometimes those things begin to be magnified because we're just reminded that we're not home or we're reminded that that we're that we're missing a loved one you know, we're, we're reminded of some issues in life sometimes during the Christmas holiday. And so it's interesting because, you know, statistically, uh, people, you know, suicide rates are among the highest during this time of the year because it can be challenging. It can be difficult to walk through life. Life can be a difficult time sometimes. And um, this morning, I want to speak to the issue of, of hope, because, you know, we're, we, 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 we often talk about how Christmas time is a time of hope and joy and, and love, and, and yet sometimes life just seems hopeless. Sometimes we're just kind of having a hard time to, to get that Christmas cheer. I watched The Grinch last night with my little girls, and I was like, I can kind of relate to him on some levels every now and then. I, and I, I you know, am fairly jolly, uh, but sometimes it's difficult. You know, like, uh, it was just, it was just uh, about 17 months ago that I lost my mom. 
And, and so walking through, you know, and I'm, you know, and my little daughters are, are talking right now. They, you know, they haven't really talked a whole lot about my mom. And, and this, this last few days, it's been a whole lot of, you know, Daddy, I miss Grandma Laura. And, and it's, it's like, you know, it it's just can be difficult. And yet I'm telling you this morning that because of Jesus Christ, there is hope. Because of our Savior, there is hope. Because of who God is, it doesn't matter how bad our circumstance looks, there is hope. And so we're going to unpack, we're going to look at um, uh, one of, um, one of a, I feel like, an overlooked miracle in, in the Bible in 2 Kings. And we're going to talk about, uh, the, about hope this morning. Open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get you one. Otherwise, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the verses will be up on the screen. The title of my message is called Flask of Hope. Somebody's a little bit too excited about that title. It's not what it sounds like. <laughs> I don't know where I got my flask of hope here. It's not, it's not that. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit... I, I, John was like, you can't call it up the flask of hope. People are going to think you're an alcoholic. I'm like, you know, no. As I take a picture of my beer, I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Just seeing if anyone's about to walk out of here. <clears throat> flask of hope. Second Kings chapter 4, starting in the first verse, is what it says. One day... The widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Verse 2. What can I do to help you, Elijah asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that we have hope in you. And Lord, now as we come together around your word, Lord, let it speak to our heart and our, and our minds. Lord, let it challenge us and encourage us. Let us walk out of this place different than we came in. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody set? Amen, amen. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this widow. Other than the fact that uh, her husband, of course, is dead. That's why she's a widow. Uh, her husband is, is dead, and it seems as though the death is fairly recent. Uh, she's still processing it. She's still mourning it. it it's, it's, it's fresh. It's a fresh wound. We know, that, we know that her husband was a prophet. Some scholars actually believe that he was Obadiah, who wrote the book of Obadiah. It's just one chapter of kind of the wrath of God. It's uh, it's kind of a cool book, but he, he some think that it was probably uh, the prophet Obadiah. And uh, but regardless, he, he was a prophet, and uh, he probably didn't he didn't probably have a lot of money. Uh, prophets, especially in that day, uh, wouldn't have been you know they weren't getting paid. They didn't have a lot of resource, and uh, so they he he was he was kind of living day by day. You know, kind of you know God was just kind of dropping bread around and feeding him and and you know making it happen. He probably didn't have a lot of resource, uh, and uh, and this lady um, she's she's probably pretty young. 
Um, we don't know exactly, but I would say that she's probably right around 25 to 35 years old. She's not an old widow. She's young. She's got two sons. Two sons who, who, who aren't old enough to work. Otherwise, she wouldn't be in the spot that she's in. And so she's got these two little sons, and she's, her husband has recently passed away, and she's kind of finding herself in this spot of hopelessness. A creditor is coming and, and, and trying, to, trying to, to take her kids because she couldn't pay the debt that most likely was accrued by her, by her husband. You see, her husband most likely would have been providing for, she, they were in this group of prophets, and they kind of they kind of stuck together, and they and they kind of ran around the town, and God would give them messages, and they would go and 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 give these you know messages to kings or or to leaders or to to people, and most of the time it was like, hey, you know, straighten up, or God's going to strike you with a bolt, those types of things, and so they weren't super they weren't super uh, popular, and uh, and they kind of hung out together, and 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 the Bible says that. That she that he served the Lord and he served at Elijah with Elijah, with Elisha. And so Elisha knew this guy, and 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 he had accrued a debt, most likely taking care of other prophets. If it was in fact Obadiah, I think that uh, it references in scripture that Obadiah actually kind of took care of, provided for about fifty other prophets. If it was in fact. Obadiah. And so we have this, this man of God, this prophet who serves the Lord, who, who's, who serves under e Elisha, and, and, he's, and he's kind of poured out his life to serve God, and now he's dead, and he's left a debt to his wife and small children. And if I'm honest with you for a moment, if I'm this lady, I'm a little bit pissed off. Like, I'm a little bit ticked. I'm like, okay, God, so my, my husband, he was a good guy. My husband served at your, in your house. My husband was a good guy, and, and, and he laid his life down for you, and now here I am struggling, and they're trying to take my kids. Where are you? Where are you at? Like, I've done, we've done, our family has done what you've asked of us. Why are we in the situation that we're in? We have been giving. We have been serving. We have been faithful. Now it's your turn to show up. I think if you're honest with yourself, we've kind of all been in that moment. And if you haven't, get ready. Like we have moments like this. It's just a part of life where, where life gets, begins to be difficult and challenging. And oftentimes we look at our circumstance and we go, God, where are you at? That's where this widow finds herself. She's broke. She has no money. And the creditors are coming to collect and that day, they would have, it would have been common practice to, to actually take the kids as slaves in order to pay off the debt. It's a form of bankruptcy almost. And it wasn't, it wasn't you know, it, it was common back then. It wasn't okay, but it was common. And so she's now faced with not only the loss of her husband, but the possibility of now lo losing her small children. Maybe they're five and seven. I don't know. But they're little. She's freaking out. She's at the end of her.
for rope. Debt collectors are coming, knocking at the door. It's a bad situation. I'm trying to decide if I was going to tell you a, a story, cause, but now I have to. Um, I got 25 minutes. I don't want to waste time. But uh, some of you will think this is funny. Some of you will not think it's funny, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> a couple, a couple, uh, couple of months ago, um, I found myself in a very not similar, but sort of similar. I could relate to her, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I got a knock at the door, and, uh, and this guy answers. This was like uh, two months ago. This guy, you know, I open the door and this guy's there and he's like, hey, is Laura Sullivan there? That's my mom. Uh, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> she's not. <laughs> and he goes, oh, is she going to be back soon? I'm like, I hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> That's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think she will be. And I go, can I ask you what this is about? And he goes, oh, I'm here to serve her papers. And she had a debt that she hadn't paid. Uh, and so I thought to myself for a moment, and I was this close to being like, yeah, let me go get her. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. I, I just said that she wasn't there. And, you know, it's interesting how these things have a tendency to stay around. This this lady is in this situation where she's got this, this debt that needs to get paid, this burden. How many of you have a burden? How many of you have, I mean, maybe you've got real financial debt, and maybe you've just got, like, stuff in life that is just weighing you down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I make light of it. It's kaha funny, but, you know, it's sad. Like, it sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, life is kind of hard sometimes. All right, let's switch gears here. So I can relate to this poor gal. Except for he didn't try to take my kids. I would have punched him in the face, just saying. So she's at the end of her rope, and I want you to take note of, of what she does the Bible says that she cries out to Elisha. Now, I want you to understand, I want you to take note that she doesn't cry out to a lender. She doesn't cry out to the government. She doesn't cry out to, to her friends. She cries out to Elisha. Why does she cry out to Elisha? Because she understands that Elijah has some sort of special connection with the Almighty God. She understands that God has done miraculous things through the prophet Elisha. She understands that there is some sort of power that she needs to get her hands on, and she knows that somehow Elisha has it. And so she goes to Elisha, the first thing I want to challenge us with this morning is who do we turn to when we face challenge and difficulty? Who are we turning to? Are we turning to God or are we turning to man? Are we turning to God or are we turning to man? Because let me tell you something, sometimes we face things in life that only God can take care of and yet we seem to go everywhere else before we go to him and God is saying, hello, I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I created all things. Would you please just come to me because guess what? I'm timeless, I'm limitless, I can do all things, I'm seated above all things. I can do whatever it is that you need need and so she turns to Elisha because she needs supernatural help. She needs supernatural help and so she turns to a supernatural God asking for some sort of supernatural answer. Elijah, Elisha says, uh, what can I do for you? Or what can I do to help you? It's almost like, you know, it's almost like, you know, uh, 
I don't really have what it takes to to help you. I want to take note real quickly. Uh, I won't spend too much time here, but the previous chapter, uh, Elisha was requested by the king of Israel and the king of Judah. They needed he needed they needed his advice on on a on a battle that was that was happening, and so he goes to and he serves these kings. And now, in one chapter later, he is now talking to and serving this widow. And I just want to say that this is important, church. The Christian life, in the Christian life, we need to be people who serve kings and widows. We need to be people who understand that the living God lives inside of us, and so we boldly go to people of authority, people in power, and we can boldly go to them, give them wisdom, give them advice, pray for them. We need to serve kings, but yet we also need to understand that we need to serve the helpless, the the broken, the, the down and out. You see, it's not either or, it's both. We need to serve kings, and we need to serve widows. Let's keep going. He says, what can I do to help you? Essentially, he's like, I don't have anything. I, I can't, I don't know what you want. I, but then, like in the same breath, he then says, tell me what you have in your house. He's pretty much saying, I can't help you, but I know a guy. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I might not be able to help you, but I do know somebody who I think could maybe help you. And I bet that in this moment, he's probably filled by the Holy Spirit, and, and God now is speaking in through him, and he says, go. He says, what do you have in your house? I need you to underline that in your Bible or highlight that on your app or whatever. You need to, what do you have in your house? It's an important question to ask ourselves. What do you have in the house, and this is what she says. She replies, she says, nothing at all except this flask of oil. She looks at her resources, and she kind of tallies it up, and she goes, I ain't got nothing. I am broke. I don't have anything. It's kind of the typical privileged American response, you know what I'm saying? Like when you open up your fridge, and what do you say? There's nothing to eat. You have a fridge full of food. Like, listen, this literally is me every day. Like, we come home from the grocery store, I open up the fridge, and I'm like, we don't have anything to eat. And Becca's like, really? Right? But, you know, we'll pick on her for a minute since she's not here. Uh, men, you know what, you'll know what I'm talking about. She, my wife will go into her closet literally full of clothes. She could like clothe all of Africa with her clothes. She opens up her closet and she says, there's nothing to wear. Girl, what are you talking about? You have nothing to wear. I start, like you have this, you have this. She's like, no, it's not that I have nothing to wear. I don't have anything to wear for this moment. <laughs> what? Just put on the shirt. Let's go. Like, what is the issue here? But it is so often, this is how we evaluate our life. We look at ourselves. We look at our resource. We look at our talent. We look at our ability. We look at our bank account. We look at what we have, what God has blessed us with, and we look at it as if it is nothing. We look at all that we might have, and we see that it's, and we, our perception is that there's nothing 
there. And then we have, no wonder, this hopeless outlook on life. Where all just sort of seems hopeless because we evaluate what we have and we go, I don't think that I have much. I don't think I have much to offer. I don't think I have much to bring to the table. And, and, and now it's just kind of this hopeless, this hopelessness. This is exactly where the enemy wants you, by the way. If he can get you to evaluate your life, evaluate what you have been blessed with and see it as worthless, he has got you right where he wants you. You're paralyzed and of no effect in the kingdom. Nothing at all except this flask of oil, she replied. This flask of oil is interesting. The flask, it's, it's most likely, you know, fairly small, maybe the size of the water bottle, could be bigger. I, I, it, I, it's probably somewhere between 10 to 25 ounces or so of, of olive oil. Olive oil, which would have been incredibly valuable. They called it liquid gold. Like they even said it in American just like that. They're like, ooh, this liquid gold. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, in American, thank you. I'm just going to sit down. <laughs> Utah school system. <laughs> Where was I? Liquid gold, liquid gold. It was, it was very, very useful, incredibly useful. They would have used it to moisturize skin, to moisturize leather. They would have used it to, uh, to, to burn lamps. They would have used it to, to bake things. They would have used it for so many different things. It was incredibly valuable. They, in, in, in the religious world, they used it as anointing oil. They used it in, in the Bible, olive oil is a metaphor, a symbol uh, of the spirit of God. And so most likely this flask of, of olive oil probably belonged to, to her husband. And it might have been the last thing that she had left kind of representing him because she was probably selling any of the last things that she had to continue to put bread on the table. And now she's in the spot where she has nothing left except for this flask of olive oil. And, and she's probably a little bit reluctant to give it out. She's probably, and not only that, but she understands and knows that although it might be valuable, at the end of the day, it's not going to save her. At the end of the day, it is not enough. At the end of the day, it's simply not enough. And I think that so many times this is exactly how we see ourselves. We say, I just don't have enough. I just don't have enough. I know that maybe, Vince, you know, I appreciate your kind words. I can see I got maybe a little bit of talent, but I just don't have enough. I, I, I know that I have a, a, a little bit of time, but I really don't have enough time to, to make a real impact or to really make a difference. I, I, I know that I've, I've got a little bit of extra finance, but really it's not enough to, to, to really, you know, make a, that much of an impact. It's just not really enough. 
It's interesting because I, I, when I read through Scripture, I see over and over and over again that our God uses a little to do a lot. He uses little old Moses and his little staff to free an entire nation of Israel out of slavery and bondage. He parts the Red Sea. Our God can do a lot with a little, friends. Jesus Christ says, hey, guess what? There's over 5,000 people here. How much food do we have? They go, just a little bit. Definitely not enough. He goes, give it to me. He feeds all of them with more left over. Why? Because our God is a God who can do a little bit, can do a lot with a little and so we need to reevaluate our little. We need to go, I know that this is just a little, but guess what, friends? In the hands of the Almighty God, it is a lot. If we would just be faithful with what we have, he says, if you're faithful with a little, then I will give you mo much more. He says, listen, I can do a lot. With he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to that, move, that mountain, move, and it will be moved. Our God will do miraculous big things with the little that we have if we just give it to him. You see, I think that sometimes it's we need to not focus so much on what we need, but what we have. Maybe we don't need more, we just need to be faithful with what we already have. I got 15 minutes, I got to hurry. Verse 3 says, and Elijah said, borrow as many Highlight that. Empty, highlight that. Jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. I love this. I hope I don't step on any toes here. Just listen to me. She goes to Elijah looking for a handout and she gets instructions. She goes to Elijah asking for a handout, and he gives her instructions. I think sometimes you're asking God for something. I need a spouse. I need a home. I need a job. I need a, a raise. I need a friend. I need somebody. I need something. And God is saying, listen, I know that you want me to supply this for you, and I'm going to, but I'm going to do it through instructions. If you would just do what I ask you to do, then you will get what I have for you. But you can't just sit there on your butt like this. You need to get moving. You need to get moving. Some of you are excited about that. It's all right. Hmm. I really just want to find a spouse. You need to plant your butt in church. You need to start serving or keep serving. And guess what? He will bring you. Just stop looking for him, for the goodness sake. Stop looking for her, for the love of God. Just stop looking, and all of a sudden you're going, oh, hey. Where did I meet, I'm, where did I meet my wife? I met her at church. That's a true story. Come on. Me too, says John. First online, then at church. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> I really want a home. Why don't you clean your apartment? I really want to raise. Why don't you start to steward what you have? All right. I want to beat up on you guys. Let's keep going. Hey, just so you know, this is me too, friends. <laughs> Come on. 
He says, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. If I'm honest with you, I think I would have slapped him in the face. Excuse me, what? Uh, My husband just died. I got no money. My little kids are driving me crazy. They miss their dad. I don't know what to do. I, I, they're, they're tr- the, the creditors are here. They're going to try to take my kids. I'm at the end of my rope, and now you want me to go. Imagine, put yourself in her shoes for a moment. Imagine you're in this spot, and you call up your pastor. I come over. I'm like, all right, so here's what you're going to do. Go and ask for Tupperware around your neighborhood. I better get rid of you backhanded, right? Like, whew, like, what are you talking about? Go and get some jars. And think about how awful that would have been. She's walking around, uh, excuse me. Yeah, hey, Kate, um, I need some jars. Yeah, he's like, uh, excuse me, what? Yeah, no, I, I need as many jars as you have. Well, why do you need the jars? It's a long story, but uh, I got to pay off a debt. Oh, she says. Okay, well, let me go get you some jars. She comes and brings me like four jars, and all of them have stuff in it. She's got, this one's got oil in it, this one's got weed in it. And she's like, yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, They actually have to be empty. In case, like, what? I thought you needed help. Like, like, these are worth some money. And she's like, I I, I know, but I'm supposed to go collect empty jars, as many as you have. She's like, I have 10 empty ones in the basement. Yeah, yeah, I need all of those. Okay. Call the doctor and hurry quick. She's lost her mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many times did she have this conversation? And she goes around and she obeys. She collects as many jars as she can. Can I just tell you, friends, that the amount of jars that she were able to, was able to collect, number one, it was reflective of the people who she had around her. We need to have some people around us. We need to have some people around us who we can turn to and say, hey, God is telling me this and that, and I need some help to follow through. You know what I'm saying? All right. Let's keep going. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into the house with your son and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she said, as so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, she told her. He told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. I've got seven minutes, and I want to talk through a couple of things in this last portion of scripture. The first thing is that these jars were empty. The prophet was pretty specific that these jars needed to be empty. Certainly there was those conversations of I have, uh, you know, here's some, it's got weed, it's got oil, it's got whatever. And she said, no, I need them to be Empty, and she brought empty jars. The jars needed to be empty. I feel like sometimes we're asking God to fill us up, and yet we are full of crap. We're saying, God, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up with your power, with your goodness, with your spirit, with your love. Fill me up with your provision. Fill me up with, with," and yet we are full to the brim of unforgiveness and bitterness and sin 
and past hurt, past ideas about how we think that this thing is supposed to be lived out, not because of what it says, but because of our tradition. We get filled up with so much crap that God is like, I would love to fill you up, but you're already full, and so I can't give you any more. I can't give you anything else. You need to be empty. You and I have to come to the feet of Christ empty, ready to get filled up. We need to come to him poured out. Our life needs to be poured out, Our whether it's good stuff or bad stuff. Some of that stuff that she probably had to pour out or get rid of was probably pretty dang good, but she had to pour it out. The jar had to be empty so that it could be filled up with the supernatural miracle that God was trying to give her. We need to be empty at the feet of our Savior so that he can fill us to the brim and overflowing. Let's keep going. The jars had to be in position. She had to go walk around and collect the jars, and she had to bring them back. You see, your positioning is important. Your positioning is important. You can't just run around kind of unplanted and running around here and there and and not be, you need to be planted in the house of God. It's important that you come to church every week. It's important that you plug into a connect group every week. It's important that you spend time not every now and then, but every day by yourself in the word, worshiping and praying to your God because you need to position yourself so that he will fill you up. This is not a once a week thing. This is not a twice a week thing. This is not sometimes I'll be here, sometimes I'll be there. This is so long as it's possible for you, you need to plug in, engage, and you need to position yourself to receive what God wants to give you. Four minutes, keep going. Come on, I can do it. He said, go get as many. Go get as many. The band's probably coming up to kick me off. But the ba- he says, go get as many. I need you to hear this. He says, the, o- the oil didn't stop. The oil didn't stop flowing. The jars ran out. The jars ran out. Friends, if she would have gotten two jars, then he would the, the flask would have filled two jars. If she would have gotten ten, then it would have filled ten. She got many. We don't know how many she got. Maybe she got 20, maybe she got 30, maybe she got 50. I don't know how many she got. She got many and they were all filled up. As many as were there would be filled up. If she had an endless supply of jars, then that oil would still be flowing today because the source that it was coming from was from an eternal God with unlimited resource, and he was this, and you and I need to understand that when we pray, when we come before our Father, we are coming to a God that is not limited, that his pockets will not run dry, that he has enough for you, and he wants to pour it out, and the only thing that will stop him is whether or not there's vessels to contain it. It's all fun, and we can get excited about that, but listen to this one. This one convicted me. You ready? We have as much God as we want. You and I 
the measure in which we understand and receive and the, the measure of God in our life is completely determined by us because the issue is not the oil, it's the jar. The issue is not the oil, it's the jar. And so if we're not receiving, if we're not flowing over, if, if it, we're not spilling onto our friends and our family, if we're not so full of the Holy Spirit that every time we come in contact with somebody, they see Jesus through and in us, if that's not happening, then the issue is not with him. The issue with, is with us. The issue is the jars, friends. We have as much of him as we want his power his provision his strength his wisdom his healing his grace it's endless it's endless we serve a good God who wants to pour out his spirit on us all we have to do is be empty all we have to do is be in position and all we have to do is believe that our God can do as Isaac so beautifully put it exceedingly more that we could ever ask or imagine, how many jars are you bringing to your Father? That's reflected in the way that you pray. God, if you could just help me here, that would be great. He's like, I mean, okay. And then he does it, and you're like, I don't even know if it was God, because it didn't have to be God. Friends, if we are praying prayers that could be answered without him, <laughs> now I'm not saying you shouldn't. I get a cold. I pray that he fixes my cold. You better believe it. But you know who has way more faith than me? My five-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Why? Because she understands that there's this big, huge God, and that he loves, and he cares, and that he has power. And so she prays. This girl prays all the time. Why? Because she's not jaded like you and I are. How many jars are we bringing before our Father? He wants to pour it out. He wants to pour out on us, friends. You see, in Christ, we have this hope in Christ. We have this flask of hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. He paid our debt. Let me show you something. I'm going to take longer. <laughs> when she told the man of God what had happened, she said, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Now, it would be cool, and, and it's certainly true, and we'll get there in a minute, the, to understand that God provided what she needed and more. That's a great thing. I'm, I'm all about it. But the thing that spoke so directly to my heart and that I think is for many of you here this morning is that her debt was paid. Some of you are dealing with issues. You're dealing with disease. You're dealing with hurt and pain. You're dealing with people that have wronged you and they've hurt you. 
Some of you are dealing with sin. You need to understand, church, that Jesus paid the debt. That Jesus paid the debt. See, the Bible doesn't record things by accident. Everything that happens and is recorded in Scripture is on purpose. And so the fact that this, that this flask was oil is not a mistake. It's not, it's not just happenstance. It has purpose. Oil is, olive oil is made out of olives. It's made out of olives. I did a little bit of research and I found out that uh, about 93% of the world's olive trees are grown in the Middle East. Out of that, Israel has 52,000 acres of olive groves. Which means that olives aren't hard to come by. <laughs> They're everywhere. Olives are all over the place. Olive oil is expensive not because olives are rare. It's expensive because of the process it takes to get the juice, to get the oil out. Now hang in with me. We're almost done. Just hang tight. Fast forward about a thousand years. Humanity is bankrupt. The nation of Israel, once freed from slavery, is now again imprisoned, but this time it's in dead, traditional religion. Monotonous following of rules. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, have this, have that, don't have this, don't have that. It was all restricted down to this set of rules and not very many people had any sort of encounters or relationships with God. But then something happens. God sees Mary, a teenager, pursuing God, trying to live a life to honor God. Teenagers, listen up. God saw her. He says, yeah, that's it. There's a vessel. He sends an angel who prophesies, gives a word from the Lord, says, you're going to carry, you're going to carry the Savior. You're, be, you're to call him Emmanuel, God with us. She says, say what? <laughs> She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She's con she conceives a child. God Almighty steps out of heaven. There's a jar. Fast forward 33 years. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, goes up to the Mount of Olives. There 
he pleads with his Father in heaven. The stress and the anxiety are pressing on him. It is so extreme. It is so hopeless in this moment because he knows what he's about to bear. The sins of the world are about to become crushing on him, and he's sweating blood. He's then arrested and beaten. The flesh is torn off of his body. He's crushed. He's hung on a cross as his blood pours out. For the sins of the world. To pay the debt of as many who would believe. As many who would believe. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. Jesus crushed, broken, poured out, gave his life as a ransom, as payment to your debt, as payment to your sin and your anxiety, as payment for the disease and the sickness, for the tumor, for the Lyme's disease, for the migraines, for the financial struggles, for the relational problems. He paid it. He paid, the debt is paid. The debt is paid. It's paid in full by the Redeemer, by Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. He was crushed and poured out for you and for me. Jesus is the hope of the world, friends. Eight more minutes. I'm eight minutes over. I'm going to take eight more minutes. Just kidding. He's buried. He's buried in a tomb. He lay dead for three days. And he raises to life, defeating sin and death. Come on, somebody. He raised to life, defeating sin and death. He hangs out for a while, he eats some food, he has some parties, walks on water, no big deal. He ascends into heaven. Then he says in Luke, I think 29, stay here. Listen to this. Stay here and I will send my Holy Spirit and it will Fill you with power from heaven. You see, the olive Jew, the olive oil was a representation of the presence, the Spirit of God. Jesus Christ came to pay the debt. And then he said, But don't worry because I'm not done. Because even though you're forgiven, that's not enough. Because now you need power. You need my Holy Spirit. You need my anointing that is very valuable. I pay the ultimate price for it. And I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to pour it out for all of us who, Paul would say that you and I are nothing but clay jars. 
that we're just clay jars to be filled up by the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is the good news. There is hope. There is hope because Jesus paid the debt and he gives us the Spirit of God inside of us to be empowered. All we must do is reevaluate what is in our house. What do I have? And then give it to God. Give it to God and he will pour out. He'll pour out and he'll pour out. And the only thing that will stop him is if you get out of position. The only thing that will stop him is if you're too full of all of the other crap. The only thing that will stop him is, listen to this, there's real power in the reality that that oil just keeps on pouring out from heaven and that as many jars are there will be filled to the brim, which means that if you and I are, are positioned under Jesus Christ and he's pouring out his power on us, then guess what we're to do? We're to gather some jars together, some friends, some people around us, so that we can then pour out what God is pouring in. You see, this is what this is about. Yes, he provided for her need. Yes, he did more than she could have ever hoped or imagined or dreamed. But friends, the real miracle here the power is found in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the hope of the world. Can we position ourselves? Can we understand that that oil will not run dry? Can we understand that our God is a good God who wants to fill us to the brim with his power, his Holy Spirit? This morning, if you're in this place, and you never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, let me tell you something, nothing that I just talked about will make any sense or will have any impact unless Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. He stepped out of heaven to save you. He loves you. And I'm looking around and I see most of you. I, I, I think I know most of you. But I don't want to have one single Sunday go by where somebody doesn't have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know him, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day that you put it all out. You pour out your old life on the feet of Christ. You say, God, fill me up. Fill me up. You say, ah, I'm not good enough. Stop it. He paid. He paid for you. He paid for you. Yeah, I've got too much stuff. i got too much stuff. No, 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 no. Cancel. He says, no, I canceled that debt. I paid it in full. I don't care what you did. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you did yesterday, last week. I don't, it doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. I am God. And do not tell me I can't forgive you. So if you need to receive that forgiveness all across this room, just put a hand up in the air. If there's, any single, if there's one single person, if there's one single person, I see your hand. Praise God. I see your hand in the back. Praise God. Praise God. I see your hand in the back, come on. Praise God, praise God. Let's all pray this, say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin, forgiving me. Lord, pour out your spirit on me now. I wanna live for you, in Jesus' name, amen.